Support for NPR comes from ADP. Say you're in HR and a solar flare adds an extra hour to each day. How would this impact business? ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to help your business take on the next anything. ADP, always designing for people. The new Apple TV comedy Shrinking boasts a lot of big names in its cast, including Harrison Ford, Jason Segel, and Jessica Williams, all of whom play therapists. On the creative side, the series shares some of its DNA with Ted Lasso, one of the most beloved comedies of recent years. It has a big heart and a lot of jokes, even if you absolutely, definitely would not want your therapist to take any cues from it. I'm Linda Holmes, and today we're talking about Shrinking on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top 10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. Joining me today is NPR Culture Desk correspondent Chloe Veltman. Hi, Chloe. Hi, Linda. Glad to be here. And also with us is Ronald Young Jr. He is the host of the film and television review podcast, Leaving the Theater. Hello, Ronald. Hi, Linda. Shrinking was created by Jason Siegel with Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein. Lawrence created Scrubs and is one of the creators of Ted Lasso. Goldstein plays Roy Kent on that show and is one of its writers. In Shrinking, Siegel stars as Jimmy, a therapist whose wife recently died, leaving him and his teenage daughter Alice, played by Lukita Maxwell, adrift. Jimmy has two partners at his therapy practice, his mentor Paul, played by Harrison Ford, and his close friend Gabby, played by Jessica Williams. Back at home, his neighbors Liz and Derek, played by Krista Miller and Ted McGinley, stand by to try to help both father and daughter when they can. They could use a little more help, but Jimmy is also estranged from his best friend, Brian, played by Michael Urie, whose approach to Jimmy's grief was unhelpful. And Jimmy's whole situation gets more complicated when he starts treating Sean, a young veteran played by Luke Tenney, who is struggling with PTSD and some pretty significant anger issues. Shrinking is streaming now on Apple TV+. That is a lot of description, partly because there is a big ensemble cast here. Ronald? Tell me what you thought about Shrinking. What's your top line? You you know, it's weird. Now that you've actually named all of those different threads together, I think my opinion on this kind of has been a little bit even more congealed than it was before. Uh, generally, I liked it. I really enjoyed when it was just an ensemble comedy, you know, with just a bunch of people kind of doing things and interacting with one another, which really, I think Bill Lawrence is always good about zany relationships like Scrubs and Cougar Town specifically. And I think Cougar Town mm-hmm. is almost a one-to-one ratio, one-to-one comparison on this show from uh, basically thinking about it, just a group of people who unlikely friends. And this is exactly that, except it's on Apple TV. They can cuss. There's more sex, things like that. I think that this show might have wound up on ABC if not for <laughs> if not for that fact. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if this show was developed originally for a channel like ABC. When you get into the premise though, like when you talk about the fact that like most of the 
lines of the show are it's a therapist dealing with grief who's coaching his patients to do unconventional methods. It kind of felt like a bait and switch. It felt like I went in to watch a show about grief and then it kind of turns into this ensemble comedy, which I'm 100% here for. But then when you start bringing back the elements of grief later in the season, it kind of starts to feel unbalanced as if all the things that happened were just happening for no reason. Even when good things are happening to the characters in the show, specifically to Gabby or to Sean, they feel like they're coming well out of left field and not necessarily something that was would naturally occur on the show. That being said, I really enjoy the cast. I really enjoy the acting. And Harrison Ford, for me, like I, I just really enjoyed watching him be very grouchy in this role. Yeah, grouchy and comedy. Like it's the most comedy I feel like I've seen him do in, in quite a while. Chloe, where did you come down on this? Oh, well... I guess my take isn't isn't quite as positive. Of course, I appreciate all those performances. And I always think of Harrison Ford in particular as a comic actor. I mean, way, way back to his early, early roots on movies like American Graffiti, where he plays this sort of grifter cowboy type. He's always been very amusing, you know, except, of course, in his more dramatic roles like Witness and so on, if we dig way back into the past. Now, the show for me starts with this incredible premise. This is the thing, other than the cast, that just made me so excited for this show. The idea about seeing inside therapists' lives. I mean, who who doesn't fantasise about what that therapist sitting across from you uh, on the screen or in the room is going through in their own lives. I mean, I feel like I've done it. So you end up having this kind of wild idea of what this person gets up to when they're not talking to you. And that for me is a very exciting premise for the show. And you also, as in the case of Ted Lasso, have somebody in the centre of the show who's been through a really, really hard time themselves. I mean, in the case of Jimmy Laird, he's lost his wife in a horrible car accident, um, somebody he really loved, uh, even though they had you know, a bit of a difficult relationship in some ways, like all relationships. And in Ted Lasso, you have a character who shows up in England having you know, had a pretty difficult time with his relationship. Um, so the show is set up in this really inventive way where we are exploring the idea of what happens when a therapist decides to dissipate all the rules and all the standards about how you're supposed to behave with your patients and just, what that entails. Look, we know what they should do. You know why? Because it's pretty simple. I get sad when I do this thing. Maybe don't do that thing. We know the answer. Don't you ever want to just, just make them do it? Great idea. We just rob them of their autonomy, any chance they have to help themselves, right? And we become what? Psychological vigilantes? So as this clip so beautifully demonstrates, here are a bunch of people setting themselves up to explore this really novel idea. However, the ball gets dropped, uh, in my opinion, and we don't get to see the natural evolution of what happens here, at least not to any great degree. Um, and I wanted the series to dig into that and to dig into this idea of a therapist who kind of just decides to do things his own way and what the consequences of that are. And the show just kind of drops the ball. We see a wonderful scene of retaliation on the towards the end of the first or the second episode where we see one of the characters coming back at the therapist for something he's done. But then it seems like there's no smack wrists. He gets to go on and do whatever he wants. And what starts as a really interesting premise ends up being this 
you know, somewhat meh domestic comedy with a whole bunch of people up in each other's stuff. Uh, nothing for me particularly original or different about the interactions. It all seemed fairly predictable after episode three. So I think that this is the interesting situation where I think we all agree exactly on what happens, that they start off kind of exploring the specific idea of therapy and especially of as they say in that clip, kind of vigilante therapy where you sort of go in and interfere in people's lives. At one point, he invites Sean, this kind of traumatized veteran, to come and live with him, which is not something a therapist should ever do or would ever do, as is pointed out to him by his colleagues. I think we absolutely agree that they start off on that track and go off of that track. The thing is, I was glad they went off of that track because I didn't really want to watch a whole show about irresponsible, unprofessional therapy. The stuff that he was doing when he was sort of interfering was his own pain kind of overtaking his ability to be a good therapist. I really received this mostly as, yes, warm, character-driven, but mostly I just – I laughed so much at this show. I thought it was so funny and I so – like so much of this to me is execution. And I think as Chloe said, it's not that it's like, yes, you know, it's father and daughter trying to like mend their relationship. She feels alienated from him. But the quality of the comedy in this to me was so elevated that I did not mind that at all. I think this is – and I said this when I wrote about this show for NPR on the website – I think this is the funniest Harrison Ford performance I've I've probably ever <laughs> seen at least since he was at least since he was doing like maybe Working Girl. Mm. You know, not just the kind of very dry, very dashing Han Solo Indiana Jones comedy, but just like comedy comedy. Agreed. And I think Jessica Williams is really good in this. I agree with Ronald that they do definitely pull out more and more to the other characters as the show goes on. You learn more about Gabby. You learn more about Sean. But you also learn more about Paul, about the Harrison Ford character and everything that he's dealing with and his life and family. When I looked at just the level of this cast, Jason Siegel, who like some people love Jason Siegel, some people don't. I tend to like the Jason Siegel thing. The Jason Siegel kind of sad man thing tends to work for me. Jessica Williams, I love. Harrison Ford, I love in this. The newer people who I didn't know as well, like Luke Tenney, I really liked in this. But then you also get these like Michael Urie, who is just one of my favorite comic actors, who I think walks such a fine line in this of this friend who is sort of sort of a jerk, yes. but also really loving and devoted to Jimmy. Krista Miller is good. She's worked a lot with Bill Lawrence. They're married. Ted McGinley, who has played a lot of these kind of dads, a lot of these like husbands and dads, to me, there is kind of a knowing confidence in this iteration of that character that makes me laugh so much <laughs> every single time they threw to him. I was like, I feel like I've seen Ted McGinley a lot. And yet every time they went to him, it made me laugh. So I definitely agree that the kind of the novel idea here of, you know, let's kind of talk about this rebellious therapist kind of goes away over the course of the show. But I was glad because I didn't really want to watch a show about a bad therapist, which is sort of <laughs> what he is. I kind of wanted him to pull it together and stop being a 
bad therapist. But I didn't find him a bad therapist at all. I mean, that's the thing when he takes chances, when he does outrageous things, you know, sometimes the outcome is really, really good. For me, that's what is the engine at the start of this series for those first few episodes. I was trying to think a little bit about why I found Ted Lasso so much more funny and engaging than this. And I think part of the reason is, despite the similarities of the two core characters, in Ted Lasso, you have somebody who has agency, who takes real action throughout the series and pursues that action and explores the consequences and never backs down in a sense. With this character, with Jimmy Led, you've got somebody who appears to be that at the start, but then he tends to kind of become quite flat and passive and the world is kind of happening to him and he's being swayed in all these different directions and having to kind of sort of vaguely react to them. I mean, I don't know. I just think that for me, that passivity, that lack of agency is what made the show sink. I think I understand what you're saying, Chloe. And I think the difference between Ted Lasso and this show is that Ted Lasso doesn't build out as many of the characters around Ted Lasso as this show does. Like this show, every single person on the show has agency and we're learning about all of them. And when you give all the characters agency, essentially the main character is also going to be subject to the decisions that the people around him are making and shrinking. That's why I'm kind of saying like, I'm really here when it's an ensemble comedy because it can't just be Jimmy Laird walking around, making decisions, doing his thing and things are happening to him. It's like, like, I made a decision. Well, your daughter's mad at you for that decision. We have to also think about how this is going to affect her, how this is going to affect Sean and the rest of them. So I guess if if I my biggest complaint here is that I think Bill Lawrence might have a premise problem. <laughs> if this is the premise, then it's just like, uh, like when right. it peaks up every now and then, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a show about grief. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. Whereas as if grief was just in the show, I feel like it might be different. I don't feel like the grief ever goes away. I feel like Chloe and I agree about the fact that a lot of that goes away. I think it's just a question of whether it's good or bad. And in terms of Ted Lasso, one of the criticisms of Ted Lasso that I do think is a little bit, that, that, that I sort of agree with, even though it's a show I really very much love, is it does kind of build up this one man who comes in and fixes life for everybody. And some of the things that they have done on Ted Lasso that I've really appreciated have been when they've kind of stepped away from that a little bit and other people have had a chance to be the fixer, the person who helps. And I think it took a couple of seasons for them to really get into that. One of the joys of this show for me was that as the episodes roll on and as we tape this, the show has only roughly half come out. But as the episodes go on, they mix these people up in a lot of different ways. Yes. And the relationships yes. that, that are important at the beginning, Jimmy and his daughter, Jimmy and Gabby, Jimmy and Paul, go out and they build a lot of really interesting and successful relationships between other combinations of people. Yeah. Sean and Paul, for example. Sean and uh, Liz, the neighbor. Yeah, There's a scene between Gabby and Brian, Jimmy's friend. And it just really, to me, infuses this energy into the show that they continue to kind of mix these people up. Every time they put them together in interesting ways, I like it and it works. And that, to me, is what you're looking for from an ensemble. Relatively early on, there are a couple of scenes <laughs> where Gabby is giving Paul a ride in her car. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I absolutely bark laughed at those just because they were unexpected. It was an energy I wasn't anticipating. So I think in a weird way, like, we all basically agree on what's going on in the show. It's just, is this what you want from it? Is it your taste or not? I think that's the big difference. Yeah. I mean, it's funny to hear you talk about that, Linda, the relationships, because for me, it seems so claustrophobic. What do you mean? That, you know, that there's no going outside of this group. They all have to be in each other's business. And it's all the same characters interacting with each other in these very, very intense ways, shall we say. I mean, I don't know what worked for me the most, I think, honestly, were the moments of uh, low humour, you know. The, I mean, it's, it's those moments of getting a sort of away from those relationships, in a sense, that made me happy. Can we talk about people's faces and, in this show? <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, the, the, it's like a metaphor that comes back over and over and again, you know, when someone says sad face and the character will turn around and say, no, it's not sad face, it's just face. Right. And this idea of the face coming back and back and back and how we present ourselves openly in public versus what's going on inside, I think, is a really interesting thought that goes into the show. For example, I find so many of these actors so expressive physically. I mean, Jessica Williams in particular, she has the mm -hmm. most expressive face. I can just watch her looking at the camera. She doesn't even have to say anything. For me, this show is also a real showcase of reacting, acting, but also comic reacting. I think Siegel is a great reactor, and Michael Urie is a great reactor. Jessica Williams, as, as you already mentioned, is a great reactor. And Harrison Ford in this, I know I keep talking about how much I love Harrison Ford in this. Can't say enough. The comic reactions from Harrison Ford, I just found so funny. <laughs> and I just... I can't say enough about what a joy it was to me to just laugh at a show a lot. Yes. <laughs> well, we want to know what you think about shrinking. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Chloe Veltman, Ronald Young Jr., thank you so much for being here. That was a hoot. Thanks, Linda. Thanks for having me. We want to take a moment to thank our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you so much for showing your support of NPR. If you haven't signed up yet, you want to show your support, and you'd like to listen to this show without any sponsor breaks, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour or visit the link in our show notes. This episode was produced by Hafsa Fathima and Mike Katzif and edited by Jessica Reedy. Our podcast coordinator is Brendan Krupp. And Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com slash NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.